One of the things that's odd about me in comparison to a lot of people I know is I just absolutely love worship. And I'm not saying just the worship music, and I'm not saying that it's just the songs or, you know, this the feelings. Worship is something that I long to get into every Sunday. It's something that I have enjoyed doing since I became a Christian early on. And you might be right there with me. You just long to be in the presence of God, singing and uh, maybe clapping or whatever. But um, I like to sing. I like music. But I love thought. And suddenly when these things come together, I get super excited when I get to think and sing and feel all of the same things at the same time. There's something about worship music that wakes my soul up. Now, I get it. Some of you are like, there's something about worship music that makes me want to stand and stare. And I understand there's a total difference in who we are and how that works. And look, I I was blown away in worship and transformed when I was reading a book by Dallas Willard called The Divine Conspiracy. In his book, he was describing the concept of worship And he gave me a challenge that I've never forgotten and I've used ever since my days in seminary. And that was there is no disconnection between our body and our worship. That you can't bow your soul, you can't bow your heart without bowing your body. That literally the body and soul are so connected that I can't sit here and go, I'm raising my hands in the Lord. No, you have to raise your hands. If your soul is going to raise their hands, if your spirit is going to raise their hands, your body has to raise the hands. And this is so critical and so missing in our Christian life. So often we can simply begin to ignore the body. And what we've been talking about is this idea of spiritual growth. And we've been talking about this depth that we're trying to aim at as we're knowing ourselves. Because you, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you're at, right? You don't know who you are, you can't grow. And so we've been saying to develop spiritually, you need to know yourself rightly. We need to know ourselves rightly. I, I need to understand myself. Don't, don't you consider understanding yourself a critical aspect to moving forward? I, I hope that's been convincing to you. But I've left something out. When we talked about this, the idea of you being made in the image of God last week, I talked about personality and nature and all these things. I purposely left out one piece that's our bodies. Just as Dallas Willard indicates, we can't worship without moving our bodies. We can't engage our souls without moving our bodies. So the same thing is true when it comes to spiritual development. And I didn't make this up. I don't want to share this with you. Paul's the one who brought this out in the passage we're looking at in this series. If you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, it reads this way. And this is how he begins. After he's laid out the gospel, a very important book in detailing out the gospel, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I want to pause there for a second. Because we'll go into what we saw of not being conformed to this world, but transformed the renewal of your mind, all that that we got into last week. But notice the weird contradiction that should occur in your mind and my mind as Americans, as people of the West in the 21st century. We're to present your body as spiritual worship. Wait, aren't the spiritual and the bodily, aren't they opposite? This has been infused in us since the 1970s, maybe even earlier, as this idea of the spiritual being ethereal, being beyond your body, being something more than you, and not your body. Yet, 
Look, look, the Bible puts your body and how you present your body and use your body for God's will as the spiritual it is the presence of the spirit. And so suddenly we begin to realize, wait, Paul starts this whole conversation of spiritual development as something with the body. In fact, he goes on, right? Don't be conformed to this world. Very much connecting the body to the conforming, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind because your mind changes the way you use your body and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's no wonder he will go on to say, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, think not of himself more highly than he ought to think. We, we need to think of ourselves rightly with sober judgment according to the measure of the faith God has assigned. That means, guys, to develop spiritually, we need to honor our bodies rightly. Not just know ourselves rightly, but know ourselves as a body and honor the body God has made us to be. Now, notice I'm trying to very hard not to say you own a body, but I'm trying to, hard to tell you that we are a body. You see, our culture is really confused about the body. On, on some aspects, they worship the body. On some aspects, they simply are, are, they hate the body. On other aspects, they neglect the body. We fall into these categories. Some of us worship the body. We're, we're into health and exercise and fighting off old age and then medicines and everything that we can possibly do, including plastic surgery to worship youthful bodies and be young and all that stuff. Hate pain, want comfort. Then there's those of us who hate the body. You hate the pain. You hate the feelings. You hate the stuff. In fact, some people have gotten to the place that they hate their bodies so much, they have disorders, eating disorders, where they don't see themselves rightly. We have people who cut themselves. We have gender dysphoria. We have all of these pieces about, I don't like the body that I have been given. I don't like the body that I am. And we move into even the vast majority of us who just pretty much kind of ignore the body, you know? I don't think about what I'm eating. I don't think about what I'm drinking. I don't think about my exercise. I'm so into doing my Bible study or I'm into prayer or I'm into going to church, you know? The body is the world's idea that doesn't matter much for Christianity and that's the danger because, hey, we have all begun to ignore or do things with the body that we shouldn't. And God wants us to honor the body because God honors the human body. If we're going to grow and develop spiritually, yeah, we're going to honor our bodies rightly because God honors the human body. May, may I even suggest that God loves the human body because he made the human body. It says, the Lord God formed the man of, the, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living creature. Now, there's something important in this text that we ignore. That first, God formed the man of the dust from the ground. The man is the dust of the ground. That Our bodies make us men. Then he breathes, and we became a living creature. We become an embodied creature. We have a body before we had a soul. In fact, primary is the body in some cases, but they're unified. And this is important. The human is both body and soul united, body and spirit united. I don't think that we need to divide it into three. There's, you have a body and a spirit, a body and a soul, the breath of God. You're a, a living creature. You are a, a soul. And so what we have here is that we are united so that bad choices with our souls affect our bodies. When we choose poorly spiritual sin, guys, it, it affects our mood. We become depressed. We can become 
pain in pain we can actually begin to see our bodies disintegrate there's all kinds of horrific things that happen and the same thing is true when you use your body poorly it affects your soul but you can wind up having brain damage and body damage that it disables this this soul that God has given you and all the capacities that God has laid out we talked about last week being now limited because your body can't do it and it is a it is an awful thing for people who are highly intelligent to be trying to work through a brain that's become diseased and broken because of the body. But the soul and the body are united. They work together. They are expressing, just as I said, when you worship, you lay, raise your hands because your soul raises your hands. And so we realize that we have this unity and that death then is unnatural. It's a weird thing. It's not intended. We were built to be united as body and soul. And so when the soul leaves the body, when the spirit leaves the body, that's bad. Why, why is it bad? How do you know? Well, Jesus, when he's embodied on earth, standing before the tomb of his friend Lazarus, we know one thing, he weeps. Why does he weep? You ever ask yourself that question? Why would Jesus cry at the funeral of Lazarus. I mean, there's his friend. He loves him. One, he's about to raise him from the dead only a few minutes from that point. Why cry about it? Just do what you came to do. Second, isn't he in heaven? Isn't he like enjoying himself, you know, as before God and spiritual and all that stuff? And hey, he's free from his decrepit, ugly body. Why would he cry? Because it's so unnatural. Death is so un out of God's plan out of in the sense of what God intended let me put it that way that Jesus weeps because it's a horror it's an awful thing it's not what we are we, we were made as humans to have a body and so God making that body God making Adam and Eve you see in Genesis chapter 1 at the very end of or that near the end there that he says it is very good I love that it's very good he's telling you my friends I love the body. It's good. In fact, he didn't just make the body to make the body. He made the body with a purpose. God honors the body so that it has a point. It's not just as a, a flesh machine or a flesh computer. No, you are more than a flesh bag with a spirit controlling this puppet. Okay, you're not a meat puppet and you are more than that. You are your body and it has a purpose. He says, be fruitful, God says, to them in their bodies and multiply. Well, first and foremost, your body is designed to have a family, to bear children. God put the body together with a purpose. The male and the female are made to come together to produce life. When there is nothing greater than this concept that we were made to make life, make a family in a covenant of marriage, fill the earth and subdue it. So now we have a body that's supposed to be capable of doing what God has called us to do, which is to take this world and control it. I Hold on with me for a minute, but you ever wondered why in the world you got opposable thumbs? I mean, look at these suckers, right? We're the only creatures that have these things. And we talk about all the oh, evolution and all that stuff. No, no, you, we stand upright. We, we are the only creatures that lay on our backs and stare at the stars. We have opposable thumbs that are able to manipulate and fine tune and do things. We have a brain and an inner ear that is capable of understanding the reality around us to gather it into mathematical equations so that we can make airplanes and we can literally find stuff in the ground and transform it to propel us through space 
space, propel us across the ground, propel us through the water. We have scuba diving machines. Guys, we are able to go everywhere on this planet to care and deal with it because of how God designed the body. If we had any other form, I'm not so sure if I had hooves, we would have the ability to make the world the way that we have. And God has designed us, designed your body specifically to represent him on the earth. See, he has made you in his image and that image shows up in a body. Now, I'm not telling you that God the Father is embodied in a body in heaven. That's not it. But when God chose to image himself on earth, he chose to make a human being in a body. He chose you. In fact, he honors it so much that when God came to earth, he came in a body. You see, Jesus is incarnate in a body. As we see in the book of John, he celebrates this. The Word, who is Jesus, the Son of God, God in heaven, the second person of the Trinity, he became flesh. He dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How did they see his glory? In his body, in his flesh. God honors the body so much. Check this out, that he took one on. And in fact, he will never stop being human. He will always forever be human because in the body, Jesus revealed his glory of grace and truth by being crucified on the cross to die for your and my sin, our sin, our mistakes. All the garbage we're going to talk about here today from what comes from our bodies and misusing our bodies and ignoring our bodies, he died for them. He bore them on a cross to show us love. He bore our wrath. And so in his body, he revealed his glory. And then he didn't stay there. He could have come back as a spirit. He could have floated up out of the grave and said, here I am, a ghost. No, he came back in a body. It says eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. This is after the resurrection. They're all hanging out. Thomas is the only one who hasn't seen them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So apparently this body is far greater than our physics now. The human body is a body, but it's greater. It's a spiritual body. It's a powerful, resurrected body. He says to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do you not disbelieve, but believe? Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus sits and eats with them. He shows them, I have a physical body that digests food. I have the wounds that showed my love. I am a physical being you can touch. I'm a physical being you can hug. I am here, and Jesus is in a body forever. That's honoring the body. In fact, in this work of his death in his body and his resurrection in his body, Paul will go so far as to tell you and I in in one of the most important chapters on the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he tells us this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? First, God honors the body by dwelling in our body right now. Even with all our sin, even with all our mistakes, the Holy Spirit is living in us to compel our bodies towards His purposes, His point for our lives. And those lives are in bodies. All right? And the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, then, are not your own. That's critical because our culture thinks I own my body. You may even think it's my body. It's my canvas. I can do what I want with it. I can, I can do whatever. What God has no say over my, God has every say over your body. You are managing that body, and God has given it to you like a parent giving his child the car. And he's saying, hey, go drive this, but 
uh, bring it back, use it as I intended, and bring it back, you know, in one piece. And that's the point that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. The price of Jesus on the cross is in his resurrection. So glorify God in your body. You're not your own body. Your body was even purchased at the cross. He owns all of us. This is a beautiful thing in the sense that God has redeemed even our corruption in our flesh, in our bodies. If God honors the body this much, my friends, if he's going to pay for it, if he's going to make it, design it, give it purpose and a reason and all that stuff, even come in one and resurrect in one and be in one forever, my friends, the body is hugely important and we've got to stop ignoring it. We've got to stop worshiping it. We've got to stop doing the wrong things with the body. And we've got to get away from the sense that what I am inside is more important than what I am as a body because we're united. We're one thing. And so we got to realize when we demote the body, it brings destruction. When we demote the body, when we bring the body down from under the spirit, under your soul, like, oh, yeah, we're, it's supposed to be equal. It's supposed to be one thing. We go, nah, my soul is more important than my body. Or even if you flip it, my body is more important than my soul. You are going to come to destruction as we break it apart and look at this. I get most of this from an excellent book. You can get it on Audible. If you're a member of Audible, it's free to listen to. You can buy it. I would recommend this book to everyone who has teenagers, to yourself, to everyone in our culture, because Nancy Piercy does an excellent job of helping us come back to a theology of the body and seeing how it shapes the way that we think. Look, a lot of pastors have told you, and I'll tell you, yeah, good exercise, eat right. That's why God gave you the temple, and that's what it means. No, it's so much more than that. It is so much more than that. And I'm going to walk you through this, but I'm going to ask you to, be, to, to hang on. You may be watching this, and you're new to Christianity, or you're exploring things. And um, you're going to feel like I'm judging, and I'm not here at this point to judge. Jesus says we're already judged. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all liars and adulterers and idol-worshiping fools who have made a mess of our lives. Um, if you think I'm here condemning you, come get to know me. You'll find out I'm a mess and I need Jesus like everybody else. What I do want to point out, though, is that when we get things wrong, we demote the body, we wind up with a destruction. And I believe this should draw out our compassion and not our ire. Because all of us are doing this at some level. And Nancy Piercy does a great job of helping us see how this works. And so let's begin, though, because James helps us see that we, when we demote the body, we are actually insulting the image of God. There's a couple of places we see this. First of all, James says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and our Father. And with our tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. In other words, he's saying, you're cursing someone who represents God. It's like God standing in front of you, and he's like, I sent my representative. They represent me. They are me for now. You're cursing them? You're cussing at them? Does your words, do your, does your language tear down, or does it build up? Because he says, from the same mouth come blessings and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Christians, let's stop the cussing. If you ever want to do an experiment, try this out. I did an experiment researching where all the cuss words come from. All of them are about demoralizing and devaluing a human being to something less than human so that we can put them in a place underneath us. That's horrific. I don't want to call anybody a cuss word of some kind that's going to destroy and defame them. 
I want to build up. I want to love on you guys. I want to encourage you. I want to see you walk forward. And so maybe one of the things we need to do is check our tongues and how we're treating people in their bodies as the image of God. In fact, it goes even further because God, as Jesus would say, even if you, even if you call somebody a name, Raka, he says, then you're worthy of hellfire. And he's talking about murder. And he gets this idea because in Genesis chapter 9, Noah is this guy who's come off the boat. He's made this awesome garden. He's gotten, and he's, uh, he's about to hear from the Lord and the Lord gives him the rainbow and all that stuff. And he says this, the Lord says, for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. So he's saying, if some beast kills you, I'm going to require it to be killed, a reckoning. Lifeblood, I'll require it from man. From his fellow man, I'll require a reckoning for the life of a man. If a man murders a man, you're going to take his life from him. There is a reckoning. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. This is not about hurting the spirit and the soul. This is about literally taking and separating what God put together, the human being. When you kill someone, he says, you are murdering the body and you're murdering the image of God. To be quite honest, this is why the ancients and Christians throughout the centuries have buried bodies and not burned bodies because the body is the representation of the image of God. And so cremation wasn't something Christianity did. You know, it's understandable in today's society to do cremation because it's cheap and, and affordable, but that is just not the tradition of Christianity. And this is why, because even the body with the soul gone is still the image of God. That's why we don't eat the body. That's why we don't take the body and drag it through streets and, and do horrible things with it. Even though that has been done, it's horrific and evil. We don't treat the human body poorly because God sees it as his image. And God wants us to see that we need to value the image at its right level. Now, we need to also realize that our body is, um, is something that we come to think we can do what we want with. When we start to see the body uh, as lower, when we demote it, when we bring the body down to that place, we dis- we're going to bring destruction because we think the body's ours to do with. God's, it's, God's, it's not God's image, it's mine. When that happens... Lots of doors are open for self-destruction. Yes, we've talked about you can cutting and plastic surgery where you think, hey, I got to make myself into the image of a porn star or make myself into the image of youth or make myself in the image. Instead of asking God, you know, this is your body. What do you want me to do with it? You know, there's the tension that we have in this world that suicide is, is, is okay at some level. There is mental health issues with suicide. I'm not here to knock that, but it is a sin against the body. It is taking your body into your own hands and proclaiming you know the time of your death and you will make it happen. It's the same thing when it comes to euthanasia. We take the body and we say, I'm in pain and it's my pain and therefore I'm okay to end my life now. And I want to warn you, in the state of California, when you are able to, when you are in a hospice scenario, if you ask them to help it go faster, they will because they think you have the right to kill yourself. Look, we need to be careful when we're in these scenarios as Christians to be sure to say, you know, God may be putting me in this suffering. I don't know why I'm still here yet. My body's old, decrepit, and breaking down, and it hurts, and I've got lots of cancer and stuff, but I want to honor God with my body. I want to show the power of the Spirit of God, and I'm going to trust that He knows what He's doing, and He's bringing me out through this time. And I want to bring as many people with me as I can, right? I want to love Him. I want to live for Him. I want to share Him because it's His image that is my body. Do we understand this? Okay, good. We've got this concept in 
then what happens then when we demote it, when we demote our bodies, we ignore its purpose. This is the next horrific thing that's happened, and my heart hurts as I look around in our world, and we realize that God made our bodies as he told us here in Genesis, that, hey, you guys are made to go into all the world to multiply and to make these families. And when we reject the purpose of God, we invent our own purposes. And the first thing that failed when we started rejecting God's purpose for our bodies is, is marriages. We, we became no-fault divorce people because we felt like, well, I want to go sleep with this person. I, I don't want to have an affair, so I'm going to go over there. And what we've done is we've increased the stress in children. Children who, who should have had parents who were willing to sacrifice and do the hard thing now are faced with sacrificing going home to home, sacrificing having two families. We put our, all of the sacrifice and the pain upon our children, and their bodies are suffering. Higher anxiety levels, confusion about who to love and how to talk about it, uh, higher social and mental issues are happening because we make whimsical choices about whether we're happy and so suddenly the purpose of the body is ignored, that it's made for a marriage, a lifelong marriage. In fact, when we get into this stuff, we suddenly realize that we op have open marriages and swinging, and it destroys intimacy in the marriage so that there is no chance to bond and have a unified whole life. Your body, actually with all the brain chemistry, oxytocin and all these things, is designed to connect to one individual. Men and women, we've been told, oh, men are made for all kinds. No, that, that concept of love is so powerful through sex and through what we have that, man, you're designed to bond intimately so that you have one flesh called your children in front of you. And that's powerful, but it's so destroyed and so broken. So now we have children running around the world wondering who their father is because we wanted children, but we didn't want the marriage. And so we took a sperm donor. People are worried about whether they're going to marry their brothers or sisters in New York and things like this. Literally, this is happening. Because we've ignored the purpose of the body. In fact, another way that we've reinstated the purpose of the body, we say the body is, yeah, it's for sex. It's for sexual pleasure. And the entire sexual revolution has come about to proclaim that the body is for sexual pleasure. But before I, before I even deal with that, let's just talk about regular pleasure. Some of us are like, we're not cool with sexual pleasure, but we, hey, man, I want to eat and drink, be merry, and then we'll die. Many of us are ignoring our bodies, and we're eating things we shouldn't eat. We've got gluttony, and so there's obesity going on. I'm not talking about if your body has a problem internally and that there's something that you need to do to help work it out, but many of us honestly are just eating foods we shouldn't eat, eating too much of what we shouldn't eat, and we're having heart disease, we're having diabetes, we're having all kinds of addictions, food addictions, sugar addictions, drug addictions, because we're out for pleasure, and it destroys the body. And this is, this is what we're looking at as we see homelessness increase, and these people who have began because they literally got onto a drug and now they're stuck and their body is addicted and their body is being destroyed and along with that their soul is being destroyed and it should lead us to compassion to realize all we've done is we demoted it we thought pleasure and we thought our desires came before the care of what god has given us in his image and so we see this with vanity and all this time wasted in gyms. I mean, can you imagine somebody who has a buff, ripped body, eaten perfectly, dies in a car crash, is a Christian, shows up before God, and God goes, he's like, look, I took care of the body. And God's like, what are you talking about? I would have rather you gone here and met this person and eaten there and met that person and done this. 
I'd rather you have used your body for what I intended you than to have sculpted it perfectly. Exercise has some value, Paul tells Timothy, but godliness and the development of godliness is value both in this life and the next. And so we want to realize the body is important, but it's in God's aim, in His purpose. And our body isn't just for pleasure, and it's not just for sexual pleasure. In fact, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 6 again, he says, flee from sexual immorality, flee from sexual sin, flee from any kind of sex that is calling you outside of the marriage bonds. Every other sin, he says, a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Suicide and all that's not in the sexual sin category. How does that work? Paul is specifically speaking about sleeping with prostitutes here. Link, and so this would be about hookup culture and linking together and all the stuff that's going on right now. And what he's saying is that's destroying your body. Unlike other, how other sins destroy your body, this is a particular one against your body. And we're seeing this. In fact, as the singleness culture rises, as hookup culture has grown, and for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically people seeing sex as like going to the movies and they feel like this happens in dorm rooms, at colleges, and things like that, what is occurring is people are finding they can't have intimacy. They're dying inside, feeling more lonely than ever, not realizing that a relationship and a commitment comes before we give ourselves fully to someone else. That's how we were designed. Trust is built, then we avail our souls and we avail our bodies because our body and our souls are the same. Nakedness in the body is a revelation of our nakedness and soul. That's why it goes together in marriage. So, when we get this, there's this sin that begins to destroy the body. And this goes on. We have pornography, an addiction to pornography. And we're seeing what it does to the brain and how it disables, again, men to have an intimacy. It gives them fantasy lives, destroys the sex life within a marriage. It also is associated with all kinds of the industry world out there that's including sex, slavery, child pornography, and the wickedness that just keeps going on as we become a sex enslaved culture, destroying the body. Sex work destroys the increase of STDs, of the abuse that happens from pimps and others, and from the entire movement, the slave trade itself. We end up with a hookup culture. We've now had abortion. Abortion falls under the sexual sin category because we want it so that women can have as much sex as men can. That's the primary excuse. Yes, we want to say it's interrupting my life, but notice what we do there in abortion. We literally say the person it's a one-celled, two-celled, 12-celled, 90-million-celled organism. That's not a person yet. It's the image of God. It's a body. The body and the soul are not disconnected. The reason those, those little tiny cells are multiplying into a human being is because the soul is there, because the human is present. That's why we are against abortion from the time of conception. These are children in the image of God. These are one-celled human beings 12-celled human beings, you name it, and made in the image of God. And abortion has come in to destroy millions of lives. Not just the babies, but the women and the men who have, the women who've had the abortion, the men whose women have had abortions. It destroys the soul. It hollows it out. It causes all kinds of pain. And if you're in these categories, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say, go get help. Go correct this, this brokenness. The destruction doesn't have to continue. You can find freedom and healing and confession in church in being able to talk to your small group, weeping and crying, admitting the pain and going through the healing process of, of being promiscuous, of having this hookup culture, of being addicted to pornography. If we can't be honest and safe at church, we can't be honest and safe anywhere. And that goes the same as we demote it and ignoring the unity of this body and soul. 
The sexual sin continues because we break these things apart. And when we divide these things like we do with abortion, where the, the person and the body are separate things, we wind up with massive disintegrations. And what I mean by that is you will not feel connected to your body. Everyone feels this at a level. The older you get, the more you're going to feel like, I'm a 35-year-old kid inside a 50, 60, 70-year-old body. This thing isn't working like it should. That's the nature of the fall. Hopefully, you're growing in your soul to where you feel like you're growing in wisdom and character so that your age matches the wisdom and character of your life. But as long as we continue to play against character, like we talked about last week, we won't feel that way. And instead, what I want to challenge you is to see that your body and your soul as a unification shouldn't be divided. When we do this, and Nancy Piercy makes this clear, this is the case of why we are so struggling with all kinds of identity issues in our culture. Notice how God puts this, or Paul writes it through, uh, God writes it through Paul in Romans. He says, Therefore God, after they've ignored his teaching, ignored his existence, ignored his calling and his purpose, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to do impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies, among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. For this is the reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. So now the interior passions within us, our desires and drives will, con will override what our body's design is because God gave us a design. And so now he says, for the women exchanged their natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. He uses the word natural relations here. And why Paul uses that term when it comes to homosexuality is because what he is trying to say is that, look, the natural reality for your body, if you're a male, is to have sex with a female. And the natural reality of a female's body is to have sex with the male. That's the design of the body. All other uses of the design has brought all kinds of issues and problems with the body. One, it doesn't work, and two, it brings about all kinds of horrific and awful things that we don't talk about when it comes to homosexuality, especially with males. From the large, the, from, we know about AIDS, but hepatitis is the number one thing that they're dying of. Now, you add into the fact that they get renal failure, oftentimes colostomy bags. They have an average lifespan of 45 years. They're, they're dying young. And this is because of what happens to the body. And, I'm not, and what I'm trying to say is have compassion because what's going on is somewhere in their life, they came to the realization that their desires did not match the way their body was designed. They desired the love of a man or they desire, a woman desired the love of a woman, but they didn't look at their body and realize my body is designed to bring about a child or my body is designed to get married to this woman and go out and make a family. You know, this is the design, the purpose of the body. And so we have to ignore and deny that design, try to restructure that design so that we can feel at ease with the desires in our body. But I'm going to tell you that leads to destruction. And that's why it continues to further even as we move on now with people, as you can imagine, with gender dysphoria and, and, and the, the entire trans community. Uh, we should have a compassion for them because that is a massive dis-ease. That is a massive in disintegration. It is a massive pain in the soul because their soul is shouting at them that they are one thing, 
but their body is telling them they are designed in another way. And I'm here to say God doesn't make a mistake. And when the soul isn't aligning in its desires with the body, that's called being fallen. Guess what? My soul doesn't align with the, um, my soul's desires do not align with my body. It wants to harm them. Yeah, I, I struggle and want to watch pornography. I want to run around in lust. I want to get out there and eat like a gluttonous pig. I want to be vain. All of these things can destroy and harm my body in the same way. I'm not at ease in my body. Many women will tell you they know that perfectly well. Everyone has this as a level, and what we need to do is have compassion, but not call people to be further wounded, but to consider God's design, to consider that God has made them. Nancy Piercy relates a story of a young man with same-sex attraction who came to realize that he could either focus on his internal desires or accept his body as God had made him accept his, the maleness of who he was, and give in to that. And as he focused and meditated and studied on that idea in the Scripture, um, eventually, while the attractions didn't go away, he did say, hey, I, I made a friend with this lady. He got married to her. He has a family. Now he desires her. He loves her. The other desires aren't, aren't gone, but he sees them for what they are. They're misalignments within our soul in the fall. Just as our body can be broken, just as some of us have actually disabilities, our brains aren't functioning correctly, or our bodies don't want to function, so our souls can have disabilities. And these are the identifications of those as you get to know yourself, that it's not a matter of just accept and be, you know, affirm, because that's like saying, well, I just want to accept my wound and wound myself more. No, this disintegration, this struggle that we have, has to be addressed in different ways. And I'm not saying that we need to only have psychological approaches and stuff. Trust me. In fact, that's the last point I want to make. There's destruction that occurs when we don't see the body as central to sin and we demote it. When we, think, we don't see it as equal to our soul, we demote it. And we don't think of the, the body as part of our fight against sin. Notice how Paul puts it again in another case in Romans 6. He's saying, don't present your members to sin as an instrument for unrighteousness. This members is your body. Don't present the physical members of your body to sin to be used. So you'll have the desire for sin, the temptation on the inside, but it has to come out through your bodies by offering your body over to it. And so if you may be struggling with same-sex attraction, you should feel safe in the church to bring that up. You may be struggling with gender dysphoria. You need to be safe in the church to bring that up. And what we are here to do is, is not to condemn you, but to identify with you that, guess what? We all have this opportunity to present ourselves to our desires and not use our bodies as God intended. So Paul says, no, instead present yourselves to God as those who've been bought from death, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness sake. And so there is a power in using your body to fight sin. It's not just go pray the gay away. It's not just go, you know, make sure that you, you sit down and have a Bible study and you, you pray like crazy and, and you make sure then you won't you'll stop eating and abusing food and you'll be better. Oh, it's all about memorizing scripture and you'll stop lusting and you'll be okay as long as you do. No, 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 no. There is a real a reality that your body is part of this journey. Yes, pray. Yes, Get into the Word of God. Yes, memorize Scripture. Yes, practice the spiritual disciplines. But maybe stop going to those websites. Maybe put a filter on. Maybe get a group of people around you who are going to encourage you. Don't go to that bookstore. Stop hanging out with those friends. Those are physical body actions that you can do. Start exercising. Give yourself a diet. 
Get yourself around a healthy environment. These are the kinds of things that we can do with our bodies that are actually spiritual. They're actually how we love God with our body. And I want to challenge you. What do you need to drop? What do you need to reintegrate? Where do you need to go? Because our calling ultimately is this, and I'll end with this, that we need to honor the body. And when we do, we grow spiritually. When we honor the body, we will grow spiritually. And so start with honoring God in worship with your body, right? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That at least means when we're together for singing, sing. Raise your hands. Bow the knee as a sign of saying, I submit to you. You may not be able to bow the knee. Bow your head. You may be able to just simply lift your eyes to heaven. Notice all the physicalities Jesus used in worshiping his Father. This is part of our body. Use it. Maybe it's simply get baptized. You want a bodily spiritual thing? Get baptized if you haven't been baptized as a bodily symbol to the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Buried in the tomb, raised from the grave, alive and washed clean of your sin. The, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he dwells in your body, and he considers it worthy to dwell in. And so it doesn't matter if your body works right or not. It doesn't matter if you've got some issues or not, because the Spirit of God will still use you. And that means also if it's broken, that's okay. We want to honor the body by accepting the body God gave us for now. It's not the permanent body. You will, if you know Christ, he will resurrect and redeem your body. All the brokenness of age, of genetics, of all those things will be gone in the resurrection. We will be made perfect again. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so this means a few things. First of all, accept your body, guys. Yeah, you may have struggle with your weight. It's okay. How about focus on what God's called you to do? You may have struggle that you've been made a woman and you, and you just don't like it. You know, you, you, you feel like, oh my gosh, I've been designed to nurture children and all this stuff. And I want to, you know, accept where God's brought you from and then go seek what he's calling you to. Men, accept that your body has been made a certain way and use it appropriately with care and gentleness, right? Guys, all of this is how we do this. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, you're struggling with these things, these are critical issues. Get counseling, go get aid, go get help, and help get back into using your body rightly for the kingdom of God and go seek out what God has for your body and not to look at it in these ways. Finally, you know, accept the pain you may be having right now. God has a reason for that to shape you. Receive that and allow it to grow in you. It, and finally, accept prayer for healing. Some of us are like, well, God doesn't heal. Yes, he loves to heal the body. He may heal it now or he may heal it in eternity in the resurrection. But that doesn't mean we don't pray for one another and pray for healing. Why not? And if somebody's praying for you, accept God may want to heal you. You may have gotten bitter and... and not willing to, to even think about that anymore, but God still one day will heal you in eternity, and he may want to heal you now. But in either case, if he does or he doesn't, he has a reason and a purpose for you here in your body. So let's go for that. And that's the ultimate way that we honor the body, right? We want to honor the body by, by keeping care of the body and, and giving it health for the purpose. And, and let me put it this way. Um, you want to eat right. You want to exercise you want to make sure you're taking vitamins, drinking water. You want to be healthy. Go to the doctor. Make sure that you're getting your checkups. Make sure that you're monitoring these things. We have the ability to. 
but I don't want to do these things so I have a long life. I want to do these things so that I can serve you well at my best capacity. If my body's broken and hurting, it may end my ministry earlier. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to live and do the things God has called me to do with everything that I have. That may mean that I need to see a psychiatrist to help out with ADD because this organ called my brain, which is not me, but united with me, right? I am my brain. My brain is me. It's an organ like my heart. It's okay to go get some help. It's okay like you need help for your heart. You need help for your cells. You need help for your body. It's the same thing. And we can go engage and stay healthy with medicine. And finally, get rest. Oh, Americans, let's get some rest. We need to have that Sabbath. God intended it for us. He knew our bodies need rest. We'll burn out. We'll fall apart. You'll be weaker against sin. You'll be weaker against your desires if you're constantly exhausted. So I want to encourage you, do not, do not neglect the rest, but present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so honor Jesus with your body. Remember, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. This was what the Corinthians were saying. And he says, God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Our job is to glorify God in the body. Our job is to live out what God's called us to do. And that means if he's called you into a dangerous location to reach people for Jesus, that may be at the expense of your body. Missionaries have had to do that. I would rather obey the call of God than worry about just the health of my body. Now, that doesn't mean I'm running after to hurt myself. But it does mean that we got to put away the safety of the body and the worship of the body because that's not what it's for. The body isn't for exercise and only health. That is for the mission. The body isn't just for fighting off sin. We fight off sin so we can do the mission well. We want to do it for the Lord. God redeemed your body for the sake of making that family, of passing on the faith. Let's put it this way. God gave you the body so you could love, live, and share him wherever you go. He gave you a body to engage in loving him personally and corporately, to live it out in the James Projects, in the care, in the locations around us, in your ministries, in the giftedness, all that stuff. He's given you all these opportunities to love Him and live for Him and share Him with our words and our lives. God has specific mission. If we do these basics, you'll begin to find out what that's calling is for you. Maybe working hard at your job. We'll get into some of this next week as we talk about our communities. But the bottom line is we want to live our lives to honor God in our bodies. And that means finally that we care for other people's bodies too. Look, we all stumble in many ways, James says. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. And so he says, why don't we just start with our tongue? Why don't we lift people up, bless, encourage, build them up, and care for them? Why don't we honor people with our actions? If you see somebody who's hurting, you know, John tells us, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We can speak well, but then we need to act well. We need to care for people, we'll supply for them, make the meal, go to their house, hang out with them, support them, be present. The internet's not enough. Physically be present. We will be a better people to have physical presence with each other. We will be better people to have our small groups in community. And um, I know you're watching this on the internet, but there will be a time where you're ready to step out when all this is over, get engaged in person. You need that bodily connection. And so we want to use our words, we use our care, 
We want to care for those who are older with special needs because, look, it seems to be indicating the Bible, the more your body is falling apart, the more care we bring as a church. So maybe God has a calling for you to help out the various people in our church at various ages, stages, with different bodies. Maybe it's to help with those who are in special needs, or maybe it's to help those who are honestly older. And, and we've got people who are bringing um, some of our elderly down to church from one of, the, one of the places just down the street from the church. Maybe it's you have a ministry and a heart for that, because just because their bodies are older doesn't mean God's done with them. He's not. We want to encourage each other to go forward. Like this week, I'm going to be asking myself basically, what can I, um, how can I better honor God with my body? And I've been being challenged with that. Is it, is it something I can let go of? Is it something I need to change? Something I need to get up and discipline myself in? But when it comes to self-control, we're talking about our body. And I want that kind of character, and I know you do too. So as you're in your groups and you're looking through these things, I want to challenge you. Dig in and look at how you can honor God with your body. Hey, I know this has been a very, very large topic. And you feel like maybe you've been drinking from a fire hose. But I am so appreciative that you'd spend the time here. And I hope that you don't feel condemned, but instead that you feel the reality that God loves you, that he has made you with a purpose. He's put you in the body on purpose. And that though there is disease and brokenness with our souls and our bodies, our Lord has come to purchase and redeem it because he honors the body by becoming man in Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross for you and your sin and all your brokenness to rise from the dead, not just to wipe sin away, but to resurrect your body to wholeness and health, purpose and direction. That's a hope for your body that no other religion in the world gives. That is a hope that no science can give. And it's not a pie in the sky because Jesus did rise from the grave. I want to encourage you to examine that. Maybe today you're like, hey, how would I begin to do that? Well, I want you to let somebody know that you're curious. You'd like to know more. And so simply um, text this line at the bottom here where you're just saying, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm interested. I'd like to go further. We have a group called Starting Point. We'd love to get you connected with that. We'd love for our pastors just to answer questions. And we want to just care for you and help you out in whatever it is that you're struggling with in your body. In the meantime, let me pray for you. Father, I just ask that you would help us to honor the body as you honor the body. Help us to live in the purpose as you've given us a purpose. Help us care for one another. And God, wherever that disease and that um, dysfunction is going on between our souls and our bodies and the brokenness in both, meet us there. Help us walk in you in Jesus' name. Amen.